Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we're discussing DeFi disaster, forgiveness freeze, and degree displeasure. All right, Joel, this is our Friday flight where every single Friday we sit down and we talk about some of the best stories that we came across this past week. And specifically, we're going to dissect and talk about how they are going to impact our listeners' finances. You said, that, you said that we sit down, by the way. Maybe we should stand up next week. I like sitting down. Okay. When I, I'm going to lay down next week. I eat standing up. <laughs> uh, you like to sit down while you eat That's lunch. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but personally, when I do sit down all day at the computer, I like to stand and eat. I get that. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Before, Just how I roll. Before we get to all the stories, I wanted to mention that uh, a listener, Tyler, he emailed us this week about the company that he invests through, Betterment and how they're raising fees on folks who have small account balances. 
I was saddened to hear this. Well, first, Tyler, thanks for reaching out and letting us know. Yeah, thank something you, Tyler. I, I saw later on Twitter, but it was just, it, it's one of those things that it makes me, it, it bums me out because I love what Betterment is doing in the robo-advisor space. I think they're probably the best in that business, but uh, let's say you have an account balance of $10,000 right now with Betterment. The fees that you were being charged were roughly like $25 annually. And now you're going to be charged $48 a year. So 48. So there's a flat monthly fee of $4 now for any balance that's under $20,000, which is totally lame. That really sucks. Yeah. And I like the flat fee idea that Betterment has been doing, the the quarter of a percentage, right? That's that's a reasonable rate for a robo-advisor to charge. And to see that they're now basically taking it out on people who have really small balances, which you're hoping to get those customers so that their balances eventually do become large. Mm-hmm. And and our listener, Tyler, said, eh, I'm taking my money elsewhere now. That's right. Uh, just because of this. And and I, I don't think it's a bad move because fees are, they eat into your, your returns as an investor. They're something that you should run away from whenever you can, uh, when you can avoid them. And it, it's the reality is there's going to be some amount of investing fee almost anywhere you go, right? Even our faves like Vanguard and uh, Fidelity have fees on most of their funds. But they're, <laughs> but they're reasonable fees. That's reasonable the, fees. That's the problem here. Because yeah, like on smaller balances, I mean, that $4 flat fee is taking a pretty big bite out yeah. of. Like it, it starts entering into the 1% annual fee territory w- with some of those lower balances, which is, yeah, it, it starts to get to be a bit unreasonable. Sure. Uh, Joel, let's get to our stories this week. This first one has to do with student loans. This is... Just a, a quick update, I guess, on folks. With I'm getting whiplash where, on this story, Matt. Because as we speak, it is in peril yet again. So last Thursday, a Texas judge struck down the Biden administration's plan to forgive $10,000 of student loans, uh, plus that additional $10,000 for Pell Grant recipients. And then earlier this week, a federal appeals court blocked the student loan forgiveness plan for moving forward. Uh, according to the journal, this is a, a much bigger setback because it actually suspends the forgiveness program while the case is being decided. It gets kind of complicated, but the appellate courts will have to issue a ruling that then determines whether or not forgiveness can continue to move forward while it's then likely to be appealed to the Supreme Court. It's it's all kind of a mess. Uh, it's, it's a jumbled mess, but there's yeah. a likelihood that student loan forgiveness doesn't make it, as evidenced by the fact that the studentaid.gov website is no longer accepting new applications. So this is not a great sign. Hopefully this is something that student loan borrowers will be able to count on in the future. But I guess what we'd say is don't count on it right now. We want you to start preparing, start mentally getting yourself ready for that possibility. Yeah, and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll keep you up to speed with every every uh, twist and turn that happens in this student loan forgiveness story. But yeah, you're right, Matt. I hope I hope none of our listeners went out and spent that forgiveness money uh, before it actually came through, counting their chickens before they hatched. Mm-hmm. Something that we talked about was a legally nebulous sort of move, and it, it, it looks like this might not move forward as promised, we will we'll continue to follow it, though. And it's, it's interesting. Apparently, the Biden administration is considering extending the student loan payment pause. So that's something else. Where I wouldn't plan on it. <laughs> I would plan on student loan payments resuming come January 1st. But that's one of those things that maybe that'll be the gift that you get uh, if you don't get the forgiveness. Let's talk about crypto here for a second, Matt, because it's it has had a heck of a week and a half. Uh, one of the biggest exchanges, FTX, which had actually uh, bailed out other troubled crypto firms in the past, experienced its own meltdown thanks to what I would call like a, a Bernie Madoff-esque 
action yeah. uh, or actions by its founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, who goes by SBF, right? That's what everybody calls him. <laughs> uh, but, but Which I'm sure by now a lot of folks have seen these names in the yes. headlines, but you're probably thinking, this has nothing to do with me. But it actually might, especially if you've got some money within the crypto space. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, there could be ramifications for unforeseen time to come based on what ha- has happened with FTX, which has now filed for bankruptcy. And then its former multi-billionaire founder, SBF, has resigned and the authorities are are looking for him, it appears. Uh, but the question is, is whether FTX users are going to be able to get their money out of their account. And it looks like billions of dollars, Matt, from tens of thousands of people are going to be lost, are going to be wiped out uh, based on the actions of its founder. Uh, And when one of the stalwart crypto exchanges bites the dust overnight like this, it shines a spotlight on an industry that we would say lacks quite a bit of trustworthiness. Uh, Faith in crypto as an asset class seems to be diminishing. And so it just reminds me of our conversation recently with Stacey Marie Ishmael. We we asked the question that is crypto dying? Like, is it is it a dead medium of exchange? And what is the future look like for it? And I think Stacey had some great insights, but it's just hard to tell. It's hard for us to know. But it is another great reminder that a very small amount of your investment dollars belong in the crypto space if any, right? Uh, And so just because the price of something is going up, that does not mean that it has an underlying value. I think a lot of people got taken for that uh, over the past couple of years, Matt. But this is a space where how to money listeners need to be very careful. And this might be a place where you want to trim back your exposure uh, right now to crypto, even if you know your crypto holdings are have gone down in value. Sure. Yeah. And at the very least, this is, I'm sure, given Stacey Marie Ishmael plenty to talk about on her podcast oh all about crypto. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure she's having a heyday. Uh, so on the note of crypto, Fidelity is actually going to start offering commission-free crypto trading. And I'm not sure that anyone cares about this. Uh, like we're we're always bad, bad timing. Yeah, I mean, like we are happy to see fees going down, right? Like fees for investors, which is what Fidelity is great at. But the truth is that fee-free trades also often result in actually even more trading. And you know, we would love to see how to money listeners maybe just doing an itsy bitsy amount of crypto trading, <laughs> not uh, an extraordinary amount. So hopefully the launch of Fidelity Crypto, it'll be maybe it'll be met with very little fanfare uh, because, again, 95 plus percent of your focus should be on time tested investments like investing in the broader American economy and the the world economies via easy to understand products like index funds. Uh, So just because you can trade crypto and not pay any commissions. This doesn't mean that you should just because it's available to you. Although I would say maybe one silver lining is the fact that hopefully Fidelity, since they've been around, I think since like the 1940s, maybe they can interject some some faith that, like you said, is stability. waning. Uh, that it feels like crypto is crumbling right now. Uh, and I think like I, I feel like I picture a parent walking into a room of a bunch of kindergartners just creating full-on chaos and they're trying to play a game and it is not going well. But if a parent can kind of step into the room, set the rules a little bit, provide some guidance, I think that that could be a way where everyone's having a lot more fun yeah. at the end of the day. Well, <laughs> it, it all, this space also might require more regulation for people to have more trust too. So I think you're right. I think Fidelity jumping in maybe helps lend some credence to the reality that crypto might be around for a longer period of time than some folks might think. But it might take more than that uh, to, to study the waters sure. in this space. Uh, l- let's talk about something else, Matt. This one, this, I saw this article called about cash stuffing in the New York Times, and I'd never heard of it before. So I was like, well, okay, I'm, as a money nerd, I need to figure out what this means. Sounds, sounds right up our alley. Yeah, I was like, cash stuffing, cool. Uh, but basically, 
it's just a cutesy name for something that's been around a long time. The the cash envelope budgeting system under a new name is now called cash stuffing, uh, of course, thanks to the good folks on TikTok. But a, a lot of folks have had their budget squeezed quite a bit more over the past year or so, largely thanks to inflation. And, and it makes a lot of sense to try and find a new method of tracking your spending if you're finding dollars slipping through the cracks. Like if you've been using the same old system and you find yourself like overspending every single month, well, Cash budgeting with an envelope system, it, it can really help provide the discipline and structure that some folks need in order to use their money effectively to make sure that they're you know, not spending too yeah. frivolously. And some studies have shown that parting with cash is a bit more painful in a good way, right? Because the pain we feel when we are tangibly and physically parted with our dollars leads us to wanting to do it less. Like That's it right. leads us to inhibit our spending, which, yeah. So, so cash stuffing or the cash envelope budgeting system, for some people, Matt, it, it might be the right choice. I kind of like the sound of cash stuff better than the uh, cash um, cash envelopes as well because I don't know you just like shoving that cash in whatever sort of uh, visceral container yeah. <laughs> that you want to um, although so you, you're talking about the pain that folks feel this reminds me we've had younger listeners out there reach out and actually say the opposite right like that because they interact with cash so rarely that spending it, it, it feels far less painful. It's almost like pretend money to them because it's not something that they're used to yeah. participating with. They're used to like looking and, at only at the, at the digital num- representation exactly, of their dollars. numbers. And so physical cash, when it comes in their hands, it, it gets out, it goes out of them pretty quickly. Yeah, too. yeah. And, and, you know, we talked about this actually back in episode 149, but your method of payment, it matters when it comes to not just the rewards, but the protections that you're offered as well, right? Like it's it's possible to drop that cash stuffed envelope <laughs> on your way to the grocery store. And once someone finds it and they spend it, like that money is gone. But if you drop a credit card, someone goes on a spending spree. Well, those are fraudulent charges, of course, and you are not responsible at all. Now, if you have trouble not going overboard with your own spending spree, well, then we don't want you using them. <laughs> don't use those credit cards. But for everyone else out there, you're going to get superior rewards and purchase protection when you use a credit card as opposed to cash or even debit cards. Yep. A lot of folks think that, well, debit cards, you know, they give you that protection as well. But in, in reality, they don't. You're actually on the, the hook for more of the money for a longer period of time before those charges are proven to be fraudulent. Yeah. And the great thing about when you use a credit card is the money's not actually taken out of your account. You're not parted with it trying to claw it back. Whereas with a debit card, exactly. you are. You're trying to fight yep. the bank for your to, to get that money back in your hands. So yeah, cash stuffing might make sense for you. I think it's worth considering if you're really bad at budgeting and you need to a little shock to the system to try something different to be more effective with your money to make sure that you're not spending frivolously. Uh, but for other people, like if you can handle the digital method of payment and credit cards make sense, you're able to use credit cards with discipline. That's still the best method we would say of, of payment. And speaking of credit cards, Matt, we've actually got bad news on the credit card front for uh, Costco members because the city Costco visa card is going to be losing a key benefit next year extended warranty protection. This is a huge bummer. First of all, I think for you to even say bad news in Costco in the same (laughs) sentence, I'm sure folks are like, wait, what? Did the CEO die or something? (laughs) No. Are they going to raise the the price of hot dogs? Right. Did the membership (laughs) fee go up? Also no. Uh, But yeah, up until the end of this year, you can still snag two additional years of manufacturer's warranty when you buy certain products at Costco with this credit card. But after that... This perk is vanishing. It's it's going to be history. I'm sad, Matt, about this because it's a killer benefit. Uh, it's still 
probably the best credit card, however, to use when you're doing your shopping at Costco because of the cash back that you get. It's also just one of the best cash back cards for gas purchases that's out there on the market as well. So it's still a card worth having in your wallet, but just a touch less enticing now than it was before. I remember when I bought the computer that we're literally recording this audio on right now from Costco and it had a two-year manufacturer's warranty, but using the Costco credit card, I got a four years worth of warranty on that. That's no longer going to be the case uh, starting next year. That's right, man. Uh, All right. We've got several other stories we're going to get to during this episode, like the degree displeasure portion of our episode, as well as uh, the kind of returns that you might expect to see on fine art. We'll get to all those stories and more right after this. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come, but none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at AARP.org slash wise friend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week at the beach every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. 
Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, now we're back from the break, and I'm not sure how many Salvador Dali paintings or Pablo Picasso's our listeners own, but there is an interesting lesson we're going to get to based on. Uh, a billionaire who invested sure. in art and how well they performed. And uh, we'll get to that in just a second. But first, let's get to our ludicrous headline of the week. This one comes from CNBC and it reads The top 10 most regretted college majors and the degrees graduates wish they had pursued instead. And to be honest, there's there's just nothing there's nothing too insane or offensive about the actual headline this week. Yeah, folks are probably like, that seems like a normal headline. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's really what attracted us to this one and why we stuck it in this slot is because it's it's the underlying problem that this story represents that we have an issue with. One stat in particular stood out, and it was that 44% of all job seekers with college degrees have regrets. And, and this is where surveys, Matt, can be so stupid and more accurately, I guess, biased. Because, of course, if you're ZipRecruiter and you're asking a bunch of unemployed folks, because job seekers, who, who are looking for work, if they wish they'd gotten a major in something else like computer science or engineering, they're probably going to answer yes, right? I mean, that's you asking someone stranded in the desert if they're thirsty. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a very beholden audience. Yes. <laughs> they are willing to buy whatever it is that you're selling. Exactly. And it's not that more thought shouldn't be given to what degree it is that you want to pursue. We wholeheartedly agree that high school seniors need more guidance and parents should be asking more questions of their kids to get them thinking ahead about career tracks. But it feels like a cheap shot to make it all about income and positioning the data in this way. The results seem obvious and honestly, not very telling. That's true, man. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the older and perhaps the wiser we get money, it becomes less of a factor. Uh, but a big problem here does actually come down to the money because like I bet a lot of those regrets are because of how much it costs to get those degrees, right? Like this isn't the the first time you've heard us say this here on the show, but the value proposition of college has completely changed. No longer are our graduates in a position where they're virtually guaranteed to make bank uh, after accruing not just their degrees, but significant levels of debt. And so what that means is keeping your student loans manageable in the first place. A typical rule of thumb out there is to limit your, your total student loans to your first year's salary. And so what we would recommend then for you to do is for all the recent uh, high school grads and for anybody out there who might be guiding some of these high school grads, 
research the jobs that you would be able to land after achieving that degree. And you can do that at a site like salary.com. Or if you really want to get into the nerdy data of it all, you can head over to the U.S.'s Bureau of Labor Statistics, they have some comprehensive data where you can literally, I mean, you can drill, they've got so much data up there. (laughs) Uh, And you can drill down to specific jobs, how many people are employed in those different positions, salary ranges, the just all this awesome information that can help to provide a recent high school grad or or even honestly, somebody who is currently in college, it's not too late to make some changes and to switch up your degree and what it is that you're seeking. Yeah. And I like what you said too, about keeping your debt level low, like the stakes are just dramatically lower. If you're talking about graduating with $15,000 worth of student loan debt or 50, right? And so the, the less money you owe saddled to your back as you're leaving college, as you're departing, the better off you're going to be. So it's really, really, really crucial to pay important to that aspect, uh, pay more attention to that aspect aspect of it as tuition costs have gone up and as student loan debt has become more and more of a problem. And interestingly enough, though, Matt, it's it's getting easier to get into college, at, at least for some folks. The Wall Street Journal featured an article this week about a fairly new phenomena called direct admission and colleges that are attempting this new approach. They're, they're basically proactively reaching out to students who have the credentials that these colleges are looking for in particular, like a high GPA, but they're looking at other stuff too. Uh, And and then they're allowing these students to skip a lot of the annoying paperwork that they might otherwise have to submit to be considered for their college, like essays and recommendation letters, which those are no fun, right? And uh, low income and first generation students are being prioritized in this model. And they're often being offered significant scholarship money via this direct admission model. And so these schools are basically trying to woo the students they want. Uh, there's a couple of websites you need to know about if you're interested in this, commonapp.org and niche.com. They're two sites that are working directly with colleges to streamline this process for high school students. And we're going to link to uh, their direct admission landing pages in the show notes. But it'll be, it'll be worth uh, putting your info in there and seeing what offers come in. The story in the Wall Street Journal is just fascinating to see some of these students who like registered on some of these sites. They included uh, a few key highlights of their academic record and to see colleges proactively reach out to them, make insane offers, <laughs> uh, right. say you're accepted. Plus, we want you so bad. We're going to give you all this money uh, to come here. Certainly uh, like the scholarship angle of it. Yeah. Yeah. It can be it can be like shocking in a cool way. Yeah. But I mean, that being said, though, like I feel like this is more evidence of college not being worth it. Right. Because there's like a, there's a shifting power dynamic here. And when before you had applicants lining up at the door to get into a school. Well, that's uh, an example of demand not being there, essentially, right? Like when when the supply is turning to the demand and trying to encourage and incentivize the demand to show up, to me, it, it almost... I, it feels like it could be an argument that maybe college isn't what it used to be, um, or at the very least, maybe like that demand has changed a little bit, right? Yeah. Like I think about it from like our uh, our tendencies to consume, right? And so like, and I fall into this trap as well. Like we've talked about these shorts I purchased via an ad that popped up on my Instagram. We are reverting, I think maybe to some of these consumer like tendencies when it comes to, unfortunately, some of these more life altering, life impacting decisions like college. It's one thing if you are more passive when it comes to like buying an article of clothing or something. But when it comes to higher education, multiple years of your life, a lot of money and potentially student loans, like you said, you know, that that students are saddled with. I guess I wish that folks were a little more proactive and a little more that there was just a little more due diligence that was being taken place as opposed to being like, oh, looks like I can get in here. Done. I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. I do think that's that- the part of it that that 
that just rubs me a little bit the wrong way. I think this is sort of like an active <laughs> passive strategy, though, right? Where <laughs> like literally you're proactively doing something, and then you're waiting to see who wants you. Sure. And if you get a, that's an true. offer that's it's too good to refuse, you know, then you might say, "Hey, you know what? I was thinking I was going to go to this college down the street that I proactively applied to, but." It turns out they didn't offer me nearly as generous of an aid package. Mm-hmm. And this other college seems to want me enough to, to basically give me a full ride or get me most of the way there. Um, and, and this is just a way that people can uh, at least see if there is a better offer out there so they can limit and curb their student loan usage because that's obviously a massive problem. And, Absolutely. and that is yeah. what's going to derail people's finances for years and decades to come. Totally. And I do like the fact that it saves a lot of time and energy yeah. on behalf of a student. If they don't have to apply to all of these different colleges, if, if they can in, at one site enter in their information and have that be sent to a bunch of different schools it makes without it, having to... Um, yeah. It, the ability to streamline the process, I think, is great. Yeah. It's a little I less like opaque. like the efficiency. A little less opaque on the, on the individual. And it just creates more incentive for these colleges to bid against one another to, to the benefit of that student. Totally. Yeah. Actually, you know, I mean, we, we talked about 529 plans back on Wednesday, uh, how they're not, you know, they're not really our favorite savings or investing tools, saving massive chunks of money for college. Again, when the value proposition of higher education is declining, that doesn't make a ton of sense, uh, especially if it means deprioritizing other uh, more important ways of saving and investing your money. But 529 plans, they still make sense for some folks out there who are doing all of the right things uh, on those other fronts. And Morningstar, they just issued new 529 plan ratings that are worth taking taking a look at. Uh, Michigan and Utah, they actually take the top spots this year thanks to massively low fees. Uh, Morningstar, they also list out 12 other plans that get a silver medal according to their metrics. And so what's really important to keep in mind here is that you don't have to choose the plan wherein you reside, the plan that your state offers. You can pick one of these other, one of these better plans. We think that that would be smart unless your state offers a tax incentive. Uh, So just, yeah, remember, 529 plans, they're not a slam dunk. The stats show that something like a third of parents out there, they end up using 529 plan money for other purposes, resulting in taxes and penalties. And so we mentioned that because we want you to think twice before you start socking away money in one of these accounts for your kids. Please make sure that you have all of the other boxes checked first, in particular when it comes to your own retirement savings. Yeah, and, and for folks who are further along in the money gears, they've been crushing it, and they're like they're they're continuing to sock away money for their own futures in a big way, and they're like, I've got extra money. What should I do with it? Five twenty nine plan might make sense for you, and you'll yeah. want to take a look at this Morningstar list to find the states that prioritize low fees for investors, and you want to check and see if your state offers a tax incentive to sock away money in those accounts Mm -hmm. because that can be kind of an additional benefit. But you're right, Matt. For most people, it should be kind of a back burner type thing. Uh, And and let's talk about art here for a second, Matt. Uh, You might have seen the headlines last week about Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen selling pieces of his art collection for uh, for a lot of money. The lesser known Microsoft (laughs) co-founder. That's right. (laughs) People are like, who? Well, he uh, owns the Seattle Seahawks, I believe. He's amassed a lot of great wealth too, even though... Bill uh, Bill Gates is the headline Microsoft he, guy. He hogs all the spotlight. Right. <laughs> Which but, I'm sure Paul, he's probably okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he minds. But uh, it, it turns out he sold a Cezanne and a Monet along with like a bunch of other pieces of art recently. And I don't think he had, had any Bob Rosses though. I mean, I think that would have probably made his collection. <laughs> no, no happy trees. No happy trees. Okay. No happy trees. But the headline numbers from what he sold are just staggering. His art collection, or at least a, a portion of it, fetched more than $1.6 billion dollars. 
and that's a lot of money. That's a, yeah, that's some fancy art, right? Yes, there. exactly. <laughs> I'll say that. But interestingly enough, that sounds better than the reality. The averaged annualized growth of Paul's art collection was six point two percent over the average eighteen years he owned those pieces. Hmm. What what was the average rate of return of the S and P five hundred over that length of time? Eight point nine percent. So. We're not against buying art for fun. It's actually one of my craft beer equivalents is buying a piece of art, at least one, every year. Uh, and we love it. It's it's well worth it for us. But we don't look at it as an investment. And we don't love the idea of purchasing art as an investment. If that's your goal, that's a hard thing to get right. And as you can see, even the multi-billionaires, even the elite wealthy amongst us don't necessarily do well uh, with those purchases. That's right. Yeah. And it, it, obviously, it sounds like something that only the, the wealthy elite football team owning folks can partake in. But with the advent of Masterworks and other sites that, that let you buy fractional shares of individual pieces of art, it is becoming more mainstream. We've talked about it here on the show, and I'll admit it sounds kind of cool. It sounds like it might be a, a smart diversification play, right? Yeah, just, just like it's, it sounds nice at cocktail parties. Just like, to be oh, like, I, yeah. I, I own part of a Monet. Right. Yeah. It makes you sound <laughs> dope when, it's in sophisticated. fact, you own like one. 500 <laughs> at best. Exactly. Uh, but again, like we've discussed before, the fees are substantial. You're paying something like 20% anytime an artwork that you are invested in sells. Um, and returns aren't nearly as good as you might have been led to believe. Who knows what the future holds for art. But we would recommend that you buy real physical art because you enjoy it and not because you think that it's going to make you money someday. We would rather see you invested in the stock market as a whole. And on that note, if you want to learn more about index funds, well, we're actually going to have a fascinating chat with Robin Wigglesworth. We'll have that interview for you here on Monday, but we're going to dive into the history yeah, of index funds. It's a really interesting, fascinating story of something that it feels like sliced bread. Like it's something that's always been around and something that we just take for granted, essentially. Especially but, for people 40 and under. And yeah, you've, you've known nothing else. Basically for everybody <laughs> out there who's our age and younger, essentially, it's like, oh yeah, the world has always existed with index funds, yes. right? No, that's not the case. And uh, we're going to talk all about that here on Monday. How they came to be and how they've changed the world, really. That's so right. it's going to be a fun combo. But that's going to do it for today's Friday Flight. Uh, folks, you can find show notes up on our website at howtomoney.com. You can also find uh, our credit card tool. It's brand new and and it's super helpful if you're looking for the right credit card for how you spend it. Just go to howtomoney.com slash credit cards. You'll see it there. It's easy to play around and kind of find that credit card, then zero in on the one that has the best benefits for, for you. The best rewards. That's right. But don't mess around with it. If you have a problem with spending too much money, do the cash stuffing <laughs> method. instead. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but Joel, that's going to be it for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.